WandaVision, Season 1, Episode 5. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Marvel Plus, the podcast devoted solely to the Disney Plus Marvel series. My name is Brett Scott, I am your host, and this is the show. After three sitcom episodes and one outside the dome, it finally feels like we are fully immersed in this series. We're getting all the perspectives now, and with episode five, we are now through the halfway point, and the two worlds have blended into a pretty wonderful show. I'm all in on WandaVision, and it seems like the rest of the fans, even the hesitant ones, are deeply invested now as well. I love how different this is from the MCU we've known for the past decade, and I love that even though at times it's batshit crazy, and it seems like something we've never seen before, it still feels like the MCU we know and love. It's awesome to see Marvel and Disney taking big, leaping chances with their content. I mean, it was already a ballsy shot in the dark to try and insert long-form series into the cinematic universe. I mean, that's a big chance, all on its own. But then, to make their first foyer into this medium such a wildly different feel from everything they've done in the past was just bonkers. And I've got to say, I love it. I'm loving it. Maybe going forward, we can shut the people up who who complain about overly formulaic blockbuster superhero movies. WandaVision flips the formula on its head and flips the script on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Alright. This week, I'm tackling Episode 5 all by myself. No guest host, just me, myself, and I. But but never fear, if you like the back-and-forth conversation, next week I have a very special guest coming on to break down Episode 6. That many of you, people who are fans of comic podcasts, um, you're going to be really excited about. Before we get started with Episode 5, please be sure and favorite or follow the podcast to get all future episodes as soon as they drop. My goal was to have a new episode out every Monday after the release of Disney Plus MCU series. So make sure that, that you favorite or follow so, so that first thing Monday morning, it's right there waiting. And as always, if you have anything to add to today's conversation or conversations past, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at RealBrettScott. And if I find your comments interesting or thought-provoking, they just might end up on the next episode of Marvel Plus. Okay. Episode 5 was insane, right? Like, really great episode. And the ending. Holy shit. But it, it kind of got me thinking. You know, sometimes I almost hate that we have modern technology and so much unencumbered access to information. Because if not for the rumors and theories and speculation ahead of time, I could have been completely blown away by the final scene of this episode. I mean, can you imagine? It, it would have been absolutely, like, it would have absolutely blown my mind. And I would have had, you know, if I would have gone into this 
with no inclination that it was even a possibility? You know, back in the day, we had very little access to information about upcoming movies or series. And while I'm glad we have access to information in general, you know, I think it's extremely important for people to be aware, as aware as possible, you know, about the happenings and going-ons in the world around them. But when it comes to entertainment, I have to say, I think it takes a little bit of the magic out of it. In the past, if a studio wanted to keep a certain casting choice a surprise, like Evan Peters, um, we never would have known about it. But but with all the leaks, and you know, not even just not even leaks, just the access to information, the ability to look up all of the casting for a TV series before it even airs, it kind of takes a little bit away from the experience. I don't know. I mean, doesn't it? I I, I don't know. Anyway, I it's just something I was pondering after episode five. Don't get me wrong. Part of being a fan is the speculation and theory. I just wonder sometimes what it would be like to be completely surprised and have no idea whatsoever could possibly happen next. You ever think about that? Like, I, I can't be alone in this. I don't know. I, I guess as deep diving MCU fans, that is just a cross we must carry. Okay, moving on. Let's dig in to episode five. So we start off in the family ties house, definitely in the 80s now, with uh, Wanda and Vision are trying to get the twins to sleep. Wanda tries to use her powers, but it won't work. And right as Wanda says they might need some help, Agnes shows up, as she always does at the perfect time. So things get weird right off the bat when Vision, you know, he says something that's not according to plan, something that's off script, I guess, uh, and it throws Agnes off script. She stops abruptly and asks Wanda if she should take it from the top or redo the scene. And Vision, getting a little curious, you know, he finds this extremely odd and mentions it to Wanda, who acts like everything is normal. Agnes sprays something that she says is lavender, over the children to supposedly help them fall asleep. A few moments later, the twins have disappeared from their cribs, only to reappear, you know, a moment later, but they're five years older. They're now five-year-old children. Okay, so this is looking more and more like Wanda is not in complete control of this reality. As I've been saying for weeks, and, and many others too, I'm definitely not alone in this, it seems as though someone else is pulling some strings here as well. And the most probable culprit is clearly Agnes. Agnes, who a lot of speculators have been saying is Agatha Harkness, a dark, manipulative witch from the comics. It seems as though she's way too interested in these twins, who a lot of you have probably already heard they have a history in the comics as well. In the comic book world, these twins grow up to be power-yielding heroes as well, named Wiccan and Speed, who eventually become part of the next generation of Avengers. Anyway, Agnes is around more and more now that the kids exist, and she always pops up right at the perfect time, you know, as if on cue. Also, keep in mind that she literally, just a moment ago, sprayed some sort of substance over the babies, right before them appearing as five-year-olds, so... 
back into it, uh, cut to another sitcom opening. You know, every week we get this new sitcom opening, and they're all great. I love all of them. Uh, this one, very much mimicking a mix of family ties, uh, maybe growing pains. Definitely, I, I saw some Full House in there. And in clever fashion, the theme song is about making it up as we go along. It's perfect. So the next scene finds us outside of Westview now. And we're getting a debrief from Monica Rambeau. The only person to have gone in and made it back out of the barrier. Right? She, she describes being in there as painful and says she felt grief while she was under Wanda's control. She's been through a ton of diagnostic testing and all the results are inconclusive. She looks and feels fine, but the tests she has undergone are, are telling S.W.O.R.D., you know, nothing. Absolutely nothing. They're, they're, they're not getting readings. Pretty odd, right? Well, this could definitely be a subtle setup for, t for her to at some point discover that she has powers of her own. Most likely from coming into such close contact with the radiation and whatever else is at play that is keeping this town mind-controlled and quarantined. So in the comic book universe, Monica Rambeau becomes a hero named Photon, and even uh, becomes Captain Marvel at one point. But I think, I think in this series, if they go forward with it, they're going to probably go with Photon. Uh, and this could definitely be the beginnings of her origin story. So, later, at a debriefing, or, I'm sorry, not debriefing, at a briefing with Darcy, Agent Wu, Monica, and uh, the sword director, Hayward, who, by the way, this show really wants to push us towards believing is a villain, I'm not fully buying it. I think he probably just turns out to be a dick rather than a serious MCU villain like Mephisto or, or Nightmare. So, so at the briefing, Hayward is laying out what S.W.O.R.D. knows so far about the Westview anomaly and refers to Wanda as a terrorist. And in trying to drive the point home, he shows them a video footage of Wanda breaking into S.W.O.R.D., to steal Vision's body. Holy shit. She really is puppeting around his corpse. I kind of feel bad uh, for giving my co-host last week, Jeff, uh, for giving him a hard time. Like, I gave him a hard time because I, I just, I told him that it was a really morbid thought to put forward. Oh, well. So, so far, Jeff, it looks like you were right, my friend. So, both Monica and Wu defend her a bit. Uh, Agent Wu reminds everyone that that Wanda was part of the Avengers. And to that, Hayward asks if she had a funny nickname like everyone else on the team, implying that she wasn't really one of them. Wu replies no, but that she gained their trust over time and became an ally. Now, this nickname question, it's just a cool little tease of what's to come because while presently... No, Wanda has no superhero alias. We know from press releases and whatnot that she will have her comic book name of the Scarlet Witch by the end of this series. So Monica theorizes that, that Wanda isn't, you know, full-on in control here. Um, that she, she's not really doing this on purpose. That she could do so much worse if she were trying to hurt people. That if she wanted to cause damage, she wouldn't have created the barrier which essentially quarantined the area. 
also, she believes Wanda wants her help in some way and that, that she trusts her. So at some point, Captain Marvel is brought up and we get a look and demeanor from Monica that tells us that maybe she's not so happy with Captain Marvel. She's not interested in talking about Captain Marvel at all. So I don't know what's, what's going on there. It could have been something that happened off screen. It could have been the fact that she disappeared when Monica was a child and never came back. Uh, it could have something to do with her mother's death. Maybe the cancer uh, that killed her mother uh, had something to do with cosmic radiation from going into space in the, in the Captain Marvel film, you know, back in the 90s. I don't know, but I'm sure it'll be revealed at some point in the near future. Maybe not in this series, but definitely before the Captain Marvel 2 film. Or, or maybe in the Captain Marvel 2 film. Okay, so back in Westview, five-year-old Billy and Tommy have found a stray dog and are trying to convince Wanda and Vision to let him keep it. And right then, Agnes pops in with the accessories for the new puppy, including a doghouse. There's no way she could have known that they even had a puppy, but she explains it away by saying she saw through the window. And that, that doesn't really explain, though, how, how she got a doghouse so quickly. But okay, uh, we'll go with it. So, again, Vision thinks it's very odd that Agnes always shows up with whatever the current scene requires. And Wanda then uses her magic to manifest a dog collar right in front of Agnes. And Vision gets really upset. You know, she's not even attempting to hide her powers anymore. Wanda, she just keeps blowing him off, playing down all of his complaints and observations and... She says it's no big deal. And Vision is becoming more and more suspicious and definitely knows now that something is not right with the world. So Wanda and Viz tell the children they aren't old enough for the responsibility of having a dog yet and that they need to be at least 10. And the children respond by instantly aging up once again. Now they're 10 years old. Okay, later, while Vision is at work, he hooks up brand new computers to the internet. Now, I had to look this up. I was like, wait a minute. Was there internet and email in the 1980s? And sure enough, yes. The internet was in its infancy, but email was one of the first features. I feel like I should have known that. Anyway, <laughs> Vision either gets or intercepts an email from S.W.O.R.D., talking about the Westview anomaly, right? And the communication seems to take over the entire room. All of Vision's fellow employees start reciting the email aloud. It's really kind of creepy. So Vision grabs one of the co-workers, uh, one that's nearby he had just been talking to, and uh, he, he touches his head and frees him from whatever spell he was under. And the man acts completely disoriented and, and he's in a panic like he pleads with vision you know he's like where's my phone I, I gotta I gotta get out of here and then he starts saying please make her stop he says it hurts it hurts so much you have to make her stop vision then touches his head again and returns him to his sitcom employee character state now this is interesting notice he said her and not Wanda he said you have to stop her, or please make her stop. I feel like this is another clue 
that someone else is running things. I mean, I still think Wanda's influencing events and manifesting scenarios, but I am sure she's not doing this alone. Like, I, I think it was on purpose that the writers had had this employee say her rather than saying Wanda or your wife or something, right? Um, so definitely somebody else is in on it. Uh, maybe Agnes, maybe Dottie from episode two. Uh, remember her, like Agnes, uh, Agnes made it a point to say that Dottie runs this whole town. Maybe someone bigger and badder, you know, people have been floating Mephisto around and Mephisto is basically Satan or the devil in the Marvel comics universe. I've also heard theories about other comic book villains like Nightmare and the Grim Reaper, but I'm not so sure. I think they might just stick with Agnes as the secret antagonist. I could definitely be wrong, but it seems like an awful lot to pack into a series that is now more than halfway to its conclusion. I mean, so much is already happening that I don't feel like there's room for as many storylines and explanations of characters, you know, that theorists are proposing. It's too much. They've introduced S.W.O.R.D., and that's, that's a big plot point in itself. And then also we've got uh, the Monica Rambeau possible origin story and uh, introduction to the character. Like, we didn't even know Monica Rambeau before this. So then if on top of that, then you've got Agnes, right? And so on top of that, if you throw in Mephisto and Nightmare and the Grim Reaper and the twins, I just feel like any more in the story, it's going to get royally convoluted. Also, with so much of the story lining up with the comics, I feel like it might be a bit of a red herring. Marvel does this, okay? They, they put a lot of comic book accurate story into something, but then change a major aspect. Personally, I love it. I, like, I don't want to see the exact same story, you know, just played out in a different medium. Also, it's lazy. These writers so far have been extremely creative, and I want them to keep being creative. Bringing us things we did not expect. Giving us the things we didn't even know we wanted. Okay. Back at the house, something outside is attracting the dog's attention. And when Wanda opens the door, the dog runs out and is nowhere to be found. But Wanda sees what was making the dog want to get outside. A drone. So, S.W.O.R.D. decided to send in an 80s era drone after discovering that if they send in something of the era, it won't need to be changed to fit, you know, the storyline. I uh, won't need to change to fit the era, which would render it useless, right? If they send in a modern-day drone that wasn't around in the 80s, it, it, it'd knock it out. So Monica tries to communicate with Wanda through a speaker in the drone, but Hayward, Director Hayward, has other plans, and he has secretly armed the drone with a missile which he orders to be fired on Wanda. Big mistake. Suddenly, the video feed is lost, and Wanda comes walking through the dome barrier and into the real world. And she tosses the drone back at S.W.O.R.D. As they all take aim at her, she tells him to leave her alone, and no one will be hurt. She says, leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. Monica tries to talk her down, even saying that, she believes this isn't Wanda's fault and that somewhere deep down, 
Wanda trusts her and wants her help. She asks Wanda what it is that she wants, and Wanda says she has everything she wants, and no one is ever going to take it away. Scary. She's, she's sounding like a villain. So she goes back inside, and she seems to re-fortify the barrier. It, it like crackles, and, and now it's glowing red, right? So maybe it's like extra unpenetrable. I don't know. Back home, Wanda and the twins are walking the neighborhood searching for their dog. And it turns out it made its way to Agnes's house, ate leaves from her acacia bush, and died. The twins beg her to bring the dog back to life. And Agnes is looking at her and she asks, like, you can do that? So that's weird. That's weird that Agnes is, uh, that she doesn't know that, you know, if this is a possibility, she, she she seems to be in on everything so far, but she doesn't know whether or not Wanda can bring people back to life. It, it's kind of weird. And it also makes me wonder if Wanda was the one that brought Vision back because she says that is something we don't do. We don't bring back the dead. She teaches the children this. And it's crazy. If she did bring back the dead, that's, that's kind of crazy that she's telling the children like that's something we don't do. So who knows? I mean, maybe someone else brought Vision back. But um, the children act as if they're about to age up again to avoid the heartache. I, I guess that would work. I don't know. I don't know why that would work, but that's, that's what happens. Wanda convinces them not to age up, and that's kind of the end of the conversation. But back at home that evening, Vision continues to question Wanda and the world they live in. And she keeps trying to convince him everything is fine. You know, he brings up his experience at work and accuses Wanda of doing all of this, controlling everything. He says he can't remember anything before Westview. He can't remember his own life. And she's, you know, she's incredulous. She's like, you think that I'm controlling every person and every event in this town, making sure they make it to their appointments and make, you know, controlling everything they say? It gets heated, and they almost come to blows, both flying into the air, very superhero style, right? And at one point, Wanda says she doesn't remember how this all even started. So that's that's I feel like that's kind of another clue that that she's not controlling all of this, right? Just then, right in the midst of this deep conversation, there's a knock on the door. And it's Pietro, Wanda's dead brother, but not quite. It's not the Quicksilver that died in the MCU. It's Evan Peters, who played Quicksilver in the X-Men movies. This was the huge moment everyone freaked out about, right? But this is something people have been speculating about, um, including myself, on this very show, uh, whether or not he would play Quicksilver. We all knew Evan Peters was cast, and this is what I was referring to earlier in the podcast at the beginning when I was talking about, you know, spoilers and, and, and speculators and, and, and all the stuff that kind of take away a little bit of the fun of, of watching a new show. Um, I, you know, I have to take it back. I, I did not think that they would actually cast him as Quicksilver. I thought he was going to end up playing a completely different character and that it, it would maybe be a little too on the nose to cast him as Quicksilver. I mean... Kevin Feige had said that they weren't going to recycle people from the Fox X-Men movies, that they weren't going to use them. So I don't know what's going on here, you know? It, it, okay, so it's totally different universes, right? 
Like, what the hell? No, no one knows quite what to think of this. Is this the X-Men officially appearing in the MCU, or is it just a you know, clever fan service? Is it permanent? Look, the movie that Peters appeared in, in the Fox X-Men movie universe, was set in the 1980s, right? It was Days of Future Past, and it was the 1980s, just like this episode of WandaVision. So maybe it's just a, temp- like, you know, a temporary thing. I don't know, man, but it's crazy. We speculated about it, you know, in a couple conversations that I've had. So honestly, I, I, like I said, I didn't think they would actually do it, but they did it, you know? And like I said, I don't know. It, it could be, it could be sending us down a path like where we believe that's what happened, but that's not really what's going on. I don't know. Does this have larger implications? Is Kevin Feige going back on his claims that he wasn't going to re, you know, that he was, he said he was going to recast everyone and not use the same actors from the Fox films. Are we going to see Hugh Jackman? Patrick Stewart? Are we going to see Fassbender as Magneto and McAvoy as young Xavier? How many of the people will come over? If any. Look, I doubt it. I, I doubt we're going to get all those people. Um, but I feel like the insanity of WandaVision is slowly easing us in to some absolute craziness to come in the MCU. The multiverse thing is going to be insane. Okay. Before I wrap things up, I want to talk about hexagons. The significance of the hexagon in this series is apparent. And I just want to point out some examples of what I'm talking about. So the barrier around Westview is a hexagon. The border around the screen for scene changes uh, within the WandaVision sitcom, hexagon. The feedback signals from, from uh, from the barrier, it appears as hexagons on the computer screen. And when shown, you know, on diagnostic equipment and stuff, you you see a bunch of hexagons. Also, in the comics, Wanda's powers are called hex powers. Um, And Darcy has named the Westview anomaly, you know, this barrier, she's named it the hex because of its shape. But I'm, I'm guessing also because a hex is also like a witch's curse. Also, um, yeah, that, I don't know what it means. What does it mean? I think it's all pointing us towards something. Um, most likely another hexagonal object, right? One that bears extreme significance to this entire story. It's almost too obvious, right? But I don't know what it actually means. But I think everything centers around the Mind Stone. So the Mind Stone is what made Vision, it, it, it made his existence possible, right? And it also happens to be how Wanda and her brother Pietro got their powers in the first place. Now, the Mind Stone was destroyed by Wanda in Avengers Infinity War when she killed Vision. And the one they used in Endgame to reverse Thanos' snap was retrieved from the past. But it was then returned to the past by Steve Rogers at the end. So what's going on here? Is it back in play somehow? Does Wanda have the power to create another Mind Stone? I mean, she can change physical reality now, so I guess it's possible. Is this how she was able to reanimate Vision's corpse? I mean, we still don't know for sure that he's actually alive, do we? I, it could be 
that the power she possesses comes from the Mind Stone, and so her abilities, you know, mimic the Mind Stone's power. Maybe that's all she needs. Also, I just thought of this. Everyone keeps talking about the Mind Stone, but wouldn't the Reality Stone be the one that could warp and change reality? There's been no mention of that from what I've heard. I, I know it's not a hexagon, and that was what I was focused on here, but allow me to veer off path for a second. Um, Wanda can create illusions within people's minds, right? She can make people see things that aren't there. In the comics, she can change physical reality, but in the MCU, we haven't actually seen that as a power she possesses. The only reality-changing power we've seen in, the, in this whole movie universe comes from the reality stone. So, I don't know. Food for thought. The series is heavily centered around the hexagonal-shaped Mind Stone. But if we're talking the power of Infinity Stones here, how does this not also point towards the Reality Stone? Something to ponder. Now, I think next week is going to be that Halloween episode that everyone has been looking forward to, you know, everyone, including myself, have been looking forward to. Um, everyone wants to see Wanda and Vision in that comic book accurate Scarlet Witch and Vision costumes. That's going to be awesome. And also, next week should be the 1990s, which is a decade I'm very familiar with because it's the decade I, I grew up in. I love the 90s. I even have, I have another podcast that I do with my friend Justin where we break down and review films from the 90s. So if you're interested in that, go check that out. Uh, it's called Ambassadors of Quan. But yeah, Ambassadors of Quan. <laughs> uh, I, I'm very much looking forward to next week's episode of WandaVision. And as I said before, I'm going to have a very special guest host on with me. So make sure you favorite or follow the podcast so you don't miss it. All right, ladies and gents. That is going to do it for today's breakdown. If you enjoy how I do things here, please remember to follow or favorite the Marvel Plus podcast wherever you listen. And if you'd like to help the podcast grow and reach a larger audience, the best thing you can do is share the episodes on social media. And also, please, if, if, if you want to, or if you use Apple Podcasts, go over and leave a five-star rating over on iTunes or if whatever podcast catcher you use allows for reviews, please leave us a review because that really helps us reach a larger audience. Also, if you have any questions or comments to add to the conversation, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at RealBrettScott, or you can email the show directly at MarvelPlusPodcast at gmail.com. Listen, I know there are a million Marvel podcasts out there so I really appreciate you giving this one a shot. And I'm really excited for what's to come and the content I get to produce in the future. With the pandemic postponing everything a full year, we're now getting a jam-packed 2021, where it looks like almost every week for the next year, we're going to be getting some form of new MCU content. I can't even begin to tell you how pumped I am to, to just continue... To do this, you know, to share my thoughts on it and the thoughts of my guest hosts that I bring on. 
Without listeners, this wouldn't be possible. So thank you for listening. I promise to keep improving the podcast each week as it continues to grow. I don't want to become content. I don't want to get comfortable. I want to continue to grow this thing and make it better and better. And I thank you for being a part of that. Once again, my name is Brett Scott, and this has been Marvel Plus.